hey, hey, the uh, the podcast you're about to hear uh, has some great information. It's it's great entertainment. You're gonna love it, but it sounds really bad. Yeah, that's uh, it was it was it was peaking for a lot of it. So our voices sort of sound like they're coming through bad walkie talkies, or that I'm speaking through an overdriven guitar amplifier that Chris and I <laughs> are speaking through. But the ones in the future are going to sound like this. Yeah, it's going to sound smooth, and it's it's going to be great for your ear holes. And the guitar-driven amplitude thing uh, sounds really cool, but it might be frustrating. But it's just the first episode. So if you like what you hear in the contents, but not the quality of the sound, don't worry, it gets better. Keep listening. If you want. Welcome to Monster Manual Mash. This will be a podcast where we look at all of the monsters in the Monster Manual published by Wizards of the Coast, and we go through them in painstaking detail, picking out how uh, good or bad they look, but also digging into uh, what they are as ideas and why we're dealing with them in the fantasy world. Like, what about these monsters... Um, makes them stick in the mind. What is Wizards of the Coast going for with the monsters? What kind of, uh, like mental real estate do they take up in your brain? Why are we afraid of them? Why do we think they're cool? Why do we want to hate them? Or why do we think they're ugly or bad? What are they, what are they in our, in our brains from like a kind of mythological standpoint? Why did we invent them? And then we kind of compare, uh, what they're doing in this modern, primarily, uh, not primarily, but like definitely war gamey. It can be mostly a war game. So they, they are going to be different than their origins in folklore and mythology and all of the places that, uh, the original makers stole all of their ideas from delightfully. Yeah, because I mean, a lot like the the at the end of the day, like there has to be stats and some kind of information uh, to to let you get into a fight with these things. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of their characteristics are going to be kind of designed around that. But I think you can dig into that information that is like kind of game necessity stuff and pull a lot of uh pull a lot of sort of like triangulated content out of it like if we look at this and we look at this like that implies this other thing which is ridiculous because i think a lot of these monsters and beings and creatures and whatever but they're monsters they're all monsters everything mm-hmm. in here well, i like that because there's humans in there too <laughs> right yeah, yeah um but i every everything in here i think can be secretly even more weird <laughs> yes. than they appear on the page when you yes. kind of dig into them a little bit and uh uh and also it's 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 fun to try to think about how you can incorporate these things into whether you're running a Dungeons and Dragons game or you're flipping through a monster manual or listening to this podcast to try to populate a world that you're building for whatever you're doing yeah uh, it's good inspiration and like how can you how can you incorporate 
such disparate, bizarre things into the same universe. Yeah, and how to use the like trademarked material and how to think about it and use it differently so that you can be creative um, on your own. You can be a rogue actor and come up with your own crazy shit. Uh, but you can still use the base ideas, um, especially if you know why there is, uh, this particular monster. Like, why, why are there, why is there a goblin in every single edition? Like, why is that, like, we just can't get rid of them? Or why do we need the goblin so much? And you, and so this, hopefully we'll explore ideas and, and talk about the, that. And you will be able to come up with like a hundred different ways that a goblin could actually be like, never mind what's written in the monster manual, because you know like what the core of a goblin is supposed to be in the human psyche. That sounds kind of like uh, flighty bullshit, but uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, so we're doing it painstakingly rigorous. We are going through each monster individually and leaving no stone unturned, including the ones that seem just kind of goofy. And I've never, I don't know why personally this, like, it's just funny that this is the first monster in the, in the whole book <laughs> is like, it's like a world of adventure and mystery. And it's all yours to create. How about a uh, bird man? Bird man. Yeah. Bird people. So bird people who, uh, they're, they're called, uh, Aarakocra, I believe. So we're starting, we're also the, cause the book is organized, um, alphabetically. So, so too are we organizing this show alphabetically. Uh-huh. Um, Double A's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, not in, in, in really no way the aardvark of the monster <laughs> world, but typographically speaking, or like Nama, Nama culturally speaking, whatever. They are, because mm-hmm. they have two A's in their name. They which- made sure of it. And that was a Wizards of the Coast decision, because Aarakocra don't appear uh, that name doesn't appear anywhere in, in folklore or anything. It's a completely fabricated name. So they did this on purpose. That, it's interesting. It's a fabricated name. So it was, it's like the name was designed to evoke bird people, mm-hmm. I think. And it does that. I, I think of bird people. Totally. I don't hear that word. It's got, uh, two A's, which is very airy, right? It's got the, ah, ah, part. And the cockra is sharp and, and pecking. Cockra, right? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a, a, a like a like a word a bird person would come up with. Like if a bird was naming something or themselves, it, they they mm-hmm. they would use the vocabulary of sounds they have, yeah. right? And, so and cock, classic bird, yeah. thing. Uh, also dickish. Yeah, which the, it is because uh, from its description in this book, they are neutral good. They apparently don't care about anything except stopping evil, in particular gargoyles. And it's, it also says that they don't care about money. They don't, which... yeah. They, they, they strive to be like the air. So they dwell in the elemental plane of air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what, one of, like, the weird sort of quirks that is universal among all of them. So, like, it, it, it makes special notes in, uh, Wizards of the Coast, Dungeon Dragons, uh, you know, literature that humans, the, the very best and the very worst can come from humans and humans can be whatever. Um, but most of the creatures in the Monster Manual have an inherent moral compass. And so the Aarakocras are all, like, as a, as a species, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a collection of beings, they're all neutral good. And all of them just don't think it makes any sense to hold on to stuff that you're not using. So you, they just take what they need and, like, drop the rest of it. Yeah. For Which is annoying because uh, any party I've ever been in, in any party I've, I've run games for, 
the acquisition of material goods is pretty high on the priority list. So when you come across like winged do-gooders who claim to not care about possessions and just want to fight evil, it's like a whole race of paladins, and nobody wants that. Because they just look down on you for everything. This is, this is one of the things I was, I was thinking about in, uh, when I was trying to draw out like what makes an Aarakocra something worth having in your, in your game is like, if you want a monster, a humanoid monster so it can talk to you, uh, and you can deal with it, but you want something to like look down on you the whole time, yeah. no matter what you're doing, this is it. And you don't want it to be an elf, uh, for some reason. You want it to be like this guy. I, I imagine them having, like, uh, even though they, uh, like, looking at their faces, they have, like, eagle and hawk faces, so mm-hmm. they probably would have a weird screeching sort of thing, but I imagine them having, like, very commanding deep voices like this. Yeah. Halt, land dweller. Uh, you set foot in the elemental plane of air. You know, they would, they would be very commanding and kind of pious. Yeah, they'd be like, uh, that, I forget his name, I think it's, it's just American Eagle or, like, Bald Eagle from the Muppets. Yeah. He's just frowning all the time. There's a whole, like, I, I, we can get into it a little bit later. Right now I want to get into uh, what this page says about it, right? We know it's kind of a dick, but in a, uh, in a righteous, they're a righteous dick. They're not lawful goods, so they're not necessarily paladins, but they're just kind of like, they have their thing, and they're not going to mess with you unless you mess with their thing, which seems to kind of put them in a niche. Like, they're not supposed to be wandering around your world very much. So the thing I really don't understand about them is that they're from the elemental plane of air, right? Mm-hmm. I guess you could represent that plane a bunch of different ways, but they have arms. Like, they have, like, sapien monkey hands. They do, yeah. And and feet, much like a, an eagle. If like To me, the elemental plane of air, I don't think it is this way in the, the game as written. There shouldn't be anything to hold on to. It should just be, like, air. In my mind. Like, it makes no sense for them to be, have, like, tool-using hands. Yeah, I guess, like, in... in Because in, if it was the, the elemental plane of air, if you're picturing it just being, like, it's the dimension of air and only air, it would just be... It, it'd be like being in Jupiter. It's just, like, there's storms and wind and there's no land. You can go yeah. down as far as you want and it never, it never changes. But you can't, like, it's without having some kind of flying, like, way for the the characters the adventurers to be able to fly around that it's you can't really do anything there so that what what there are are there's like floating moats of land that have like cities on them yeah. and they're just gonna float there and i i suppose that that's that's where the aragakura would dwell but it's it's strange that they like it's i think it's telling of their origin that they have like vaguely humanoid features because they 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 um if they were like, because most creatures in Dungeons Dragons were like created by some kind of like entity, some kind of deity. It, right? A wizard did it, or or a, an ancient did god it, did it a long time ago. So something created the Aragakra, uh, and like uh, for a purpose. It seems like this to mm-hmm. protect these people or to protect this place. Um, and so whatever did create them, whatever like the in universe equivalent of the creators of the game was, uh, like they, they were like a proud warrior people. And mm-hmm. so they just do everything they can to look the part, I think. Right. Yeah. Which is, uh, very different from their original fiend folio appearance. They were in the original fiend folio, same name, but they were not 
Uh, like this looks like a player character. He's got he's got pouches. He's got a tastefully draping loincloth over his. Uh, I forget what the name of that is for a bird. We'll edit that in later. Uh, they just have a little nub that they like rub on female birds usually, but they still cover it up in this picture because uh, he's got class and mm-hmm. but he's got like items and stuff. Like uh, he's a man about town, like you or I. But in the Fiend Folio image, it's more of like a, it's more like a gargoyle, which is now the creature that he's apparently mm-hmm. um, sworn enemy to. But the hand is attached to the wing at the end oh, of the wings. So they don't have like, separate. Yeah. Hand. It's, yeah not, okay. it's not like a, it's just a human with like bonus wings. It's like, um, more like a, not like a bat, because I guess a bat's fingers are each, uh, Strut, right? <laughs> yeah, not a yeah. biologist. Uh, like and, a pterodactyl, where they have a couple of claws. They have a couple of claws at the end. Yeah, yeah. like that. They have like four or five fingers at the very end of the the wing tip, <laughs> and they're just kind of like they're hunched over. Like they're definitely a monster. Yeah, they're in the fiend folio because the fiend folio is all about like extra planar creatures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily fiends or beings from uh, the abyss or the uh, the, the hells. Um, that's a very big difference. And I think a lot of it has to do, like when I was looking up the Aarakocra online, I found a lot of homebrewed um, player character mm-hmm. variants um, going across like all editions. So if, I, I think what happened was they introduced the Aarakocra as like a decent, as like a good guy bird. And for some reason, people really wanted to be that. So they came up with their own rules. And I guess the wizards uh, noticed and decided to make like a more human looking a more approachable, uh, cleaned up Birdman. Somebody who could use some of the items you might find. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I right. think um, I was surprised that there actually wasn't an Aarakocra um, in the in Volos, um, because there were a bunch of oh, yeah. monstrous uh, player character uh, stats in there. Um, and I thought the Aarakocra was going to be in there, but it wasn't. But it might still be. But for now, you just have to officially um, admire them from a distance. And it, it uh, yeah, let, can, should we talk about the art, the depiction of them in the current current edition, like yeah, what, sure, what, what yeah, we're looking yeah, at? Yeah, I guess we, we we pretty much did. But they um, uh, they're also armed. They take weapons with them mm-hmm. to battle. And if you look at what they uh, their their actions, the the things they can do, and their attacks, they fight with their talons or they throw javelins. Yeah, at you. Those that's what they that's what most of them do. You could sort of adapt them to do other things mm-hmm. if you wanted them to. But yeah. yeah, you look at uh, armor class, hit points, um, flight speed. Hit points are thirteen, which is going to be larger than um, I th- most first level characters, I think. Mm-hmm. Which means that like your standard Aarakocra is more dangerous than a first level character, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. None of their modifiers are less than zero. Dex is uh, plus two, wisdom is plus one, so those are greater than your average human being. Mm-hmm. So the Aarakocra is just better than you. Yeah. So like an average human being would 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 have like on the stat block, which goes from like one to twenty, would have tens across the board. So like right. zero modifiers, because the modifier changes by plus one depending on every two you go above mm-hmm. or below ten. So I I think I could be wrong about this, but like a standard, like a commoner, like a regular person would just would have like ten hit points. And like tens across the board for their their stats, right? So that what you can you can kind of compare these to a people. They're a little bit wiser than most people they're are. Birds, they're yeah. bird people, yeah. Um, and they're certainly more dexterous. Yeah. So um, that makes sense. But they don't really 
They're just as strong and just as just as tough. And according to yeah. the stat block, kind of how you're supposed to use them would be... So they get a dive attack, which they get extra damage if they move a certain amount of distance through the air before they attack. Mm-hmm. And then they can hit you with talons or javelins. And that is what you get from them. So I think what you're supposed to do is, if you want to have an encounter with air cockra and you want it to be like a battle encounter, you have them. You have enough space in the encounter for the air cockra to swoop around and uh, do their thing from the air. Probably not in a dungeon, but probably in some open-air courtyard or along in the wilderness or something like that. Um, you might have them perched and throwing javelins if they don't do their dive attack, if you're feeling generous, you don't want them to get their extra damage, or you just have a bunch of them doing different things. So definitely, like, attack on a flock. But I think you would be having to run a certain kind of game to be fighting them directly because if they're neutral good they're usually in my experience anyways you don't usually mess with things that are neutral good unless you're going out of your way to do something that they're not going to like in this case in this case something if you're messing with one of their portals or you're like hanging out with a gargoyle they're like what are you going to do about it and you like make out with a gargoyle they're going to hate that yeah and they're going to see it from really far away too (laughs) because they they're eagle people uh passive perception 15 is pretty good they get to do a ritual summoning of an air elemental, which is a bigger deal. I forget what CR that is exactly, but it is a bigger deal. Um, and it takes three full rounds for five air cockra. So five air cockra mm-hmm. have to do uh, like a special dance for three <laughs> rounds, doing nothing except special dancing. And then they get to summon an air, co- or, uh, uh, air elemental. So this is weird because like, why would you... The only reason you would include this is to have like an encounter where you're racing against the clock or you're like in the back there's air cockroaches doing a special dance and you have to stop them from summoning an air elemental. Mm-hmm. Otherwise the fight's going to get a lot harder. Yeah. So there's a lot of setup to be very adversarial against the air cockroach. So yeah. either promoting like an evil campaign or like uh, neutral people kind of gone awry. Or uh, doing their normal roguish thing. It could also involve like a like the party of adventurers has to do something like a small evil for a greater good. It's like <laughs> you have to stop the big bad evils, the Tarask, from being right. summoned, and you need uh, a, a magical stone from each of the elemental planes. And then you go get the thing you need from the plane of elemental air. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, you can't because we need it here. And then at some point, the way I would run this encounter is you'd have a bunch of them flying around. Five of them doing their dance in the sky, though, mm. right? Because it's an aerial dance, right. and a couple other ones right. kind of dive bombing you, protecting the other ones. And what you got to do is try to stop them from doing that. And what they're doing is their duty and like protecting something that belongs to the elemental play of an air. And they're not really too interested. And you're like, but our world is going to get destroyed by a dinosaur yeah. monster, you know? So that's how you could kind of work. I work think, them yeah, in. I think you might be right. I think it it works because um, like you would feel probably worse. Uh, doing something like that if they were of the material plane, mm-hmm. if they were just another species. But because they're from the plane of air, it's like, what are you guys are so upset about? It's air. <laughs> oh, do want it to run yeah. out in this infinite plane of it? Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> Finding them just because the sarcastic rogue is mocking them. Are you like, the, you, you have to, you have to steal a bag of air from the elemental plane of air or something? <laughs> So, like, you can mess with them uh, because they're so rigid in their 
in their world because they're mm-hmm. al- they're basically alien. They don't really, even though they look like people, they're they're not concerned with the same things you are because they're from the plane of air. You couldn't even really communicate with them unless you're. A they don't speak common because they speak Arakok, their own language mm-hmm. that nobody else can speak. And um, Arin, which is like the, I think that's the elemental plane of air language. Yeah, air yeah. speak. That's air common. Yeah, air common. Or you you just kind of whisper and blow at people. <laughs> I'm imagining. <laughs> You blow on their belly like a give them a raspberry. It's a tactile language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's what it says on the page. Um, I would like to talk about kind of why this thing works and why it's persisted. The idea of a bird person from another world. If this were like a sci-fi thing, they would be from a different planet. Yeah, but it it kind of has the same effect when you make it from a different plane because the the rules of the world are different, their cultures are going to be different. And some of the planes are really weird. Oh yeah, yeah. So the Aarakocra, uh, like I said before, there's no such thing as an Aarakocra in the outside world, outside of D and D. No, no Aarakocra. But there are a bunch of things that are like the Aarakocra and that probably compose it in different quantities. So if we Break down the Aarakocra. We have a few different things that it can be. Number one, you have a bird. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hear me out. Hear yeah, me out. Yeah. Think about being like, uh, first, one of the first people, first human being, you're on the savannah. Um, you have enemies everywhere. One of them are the bird, is the bird. It is a, the ones that you're afraid of anyways are large predatory badass birds they come out of nowhere they come out of the air the sky Mm -hmm. and they pick you up and you're gone right maybe not maybe not you or i like adult people 30 year old elders in our tribes Mm -hmm. but uh i am you're you're doing better but uh like your your baby or your like your pets like anything little your little kids can get carried away um, it still happens to this day in certain regions, like eagles will come swoop down and take yeah. uh, small dogs and take them away. And before we really knew much about the, the world and physics and things, they would fly back into the sky to their nest somewhere and we would just be left wondering what the fuck just happened. Yeah. And like, I think that's part of why birds are scary. This guy is scary. Eagle, hawk, man, who also has arms. Is like it's everything that the the predatory bird is that can mess with you, but it also has arms, so it's probably and it's dressed. Yeah, <laughs> it has a pocket, which means it probably wants what you have in your pocket. Yeah, um, as long as it needs it. As long as it needs it. Yeah, right. uh, uh, you you would know that once you know their their culture, but if you just looked at it. You'd be like, this guy's going to mug me. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> He's going to get away with it. He can. He can just fly away. And I think, um, if I can interject for yeah. a second, um, the, a lot of like w- sort of what is interesting about them is that they're so at home flying around. They're right. so comfortable flying around. They, um, I mean, w- humans can like invent things to fly and we can, we can jump up and down for, for mostly and go, go up and down in buildings and things. But for the most part, we live our lives kind of like on a two-dimensional plane. There's, there's two directions, two kind of, there's, you really need two coordinates to know yeah. where we are. But the Arakakura, they, they have a whole other sort of dimension of space that they're comfortable moving around in at will. Yeah. Um, so that gives them, um, an inherent advantage on things that can't do that. And so they would have, they would, birds, I imagine actual birds perceive the world they inhabit 
differently than than terrestrial animals would than we do right because the, the the things are traversable to them that aren't traversable to us and that is so alien <laughs> something having yeah, another spatial simple, dimension it can utilize that simple real world concept yeah. is probably uh enough to like make it uh, yeah. an interesting creature or encounter even if you look at their speed, go back to their stat block, they only move 20 feet on the ground, which is even slower than the slowest. Or, like, how... how I, I kind of forget these things. The additions kind of blur together. Do dwarves only move 20 feet still? I think 25. 25? Yeah. Well, they're slow. They're really slow on the ground, and they fly 50 feet in the air um, way faster. So if you're using them and you're trying to be tactical, you're going to make them fly as much as possible, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that's what they do. They're from the elemental plane of air, which I still don't buy entirely with their image because they look like they hang out on land quite a bit. Yeah, but uh, we can get we can talk about that later. Uh, How do you think they walk? Do you think they hop or do you think they 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 step? I think um, what I would have preferred in this image, instead of these like these muscular loins, I would have preferred uh, way thinner legs <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to make it so to make it obvious how awkward they are on the ground because mm-hmm. they look like that's like this um there's a term for this but the kind of uh bipedal thing it's like a, a dog leg kind of yeah how it's shaped um you get a lot of lift off that yeah and that's why it's um they have just, dinosaur legs yeah right <laughs> yeah uh they give it to like in when uh, I think about Halo. I don't know if you ever. I played a lot of Halo back in the day. Oh yeah, and the elites um, have that leg configuration too, mm-hmm. and it's because a lot of predators um, have that. Um, uh, four-legged mammals have that because it's really good for spring um, action. Mm-hmm. It's kind of they're they're always on their tiptoes, but their feet are really long. Exactly. So like that's probably how they get around is uh, hopping because of the nice legs. But I still think their muscles look too good. Too uh, shapely to um, only move twenty feet. It should be like it should be really awkward. <laughs> they should like I always want my monsters to look kind of like scary, but also ridiculous. Like if yeah. you're going to be shitty at walking, then make them look that way. This guy looks like he loves America. <laughs> yeah, and he's too strong to let on that he can't walk very well. And they have like the 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 proudest possible looking eagle face mm-hmm. on them. Which is which is fitting. Also, I suspect why they've given the name for themselves is Aarakocra with two A's in it, so that they always come at the top of every Double list. Plus a. Yeah, you know they mm. they are they're always they're always they're all, they got to be on top of everything. The the bird is actually like one half of what makes a dragon so terrifying and so uh, prevalent in like almost every human culture, or at least every. And in, in, in many of them, there's a dragon, and it's because, like, a worst-case scenario for early man is a lizard or a snake with wings. That, yeah, that <laughs> really does sound like, like a worst-case scenario. Because we were such, uh, I imagine, anyways, uh, being a human being and thinking, like, you got these horrible birds flying out of the sky, snatching up what they want. You've got snakes that look like they're crawling out of the earth itself and and biting you and doing horrible things yeah. and you are stuck in the middle walking on the ground ab- like above the ground and maybe climbing trees 
but really you're at the mercy of all these other things from above and below and everything not like sharing the middle ground with you. So the dragon is like, what What if there was a sky badness yeah. that <laughs> had all of the powers also of the ground badness? And that's the dragon. Um, but here we just isolate that and uh, or one of those parts and we just deal with the bird. I imagine things like dragons coming up a lot uh, from like a human tendency to always like one up the other person's oh, story. Yeah. Like somebody like oh, a bird came out of nowhere and pecked up my eye, and that's got to be the worst thing out there. Those eagles, they just see a fleshy bit and they'll just come in and get. It. I don't know if there's any birds that just <laughs> swoop yeah. in and peck your eyes out, but imagine <laughs> this, right? And somebody else is like, I got uh, I, bit by a lizard the other day. It was a it was a it was a monitor lizard. Mm-hmm. I still I have this festering wound still. And somebody else is like, I burnt myself on some fire that some <laughs> lightning left behind. And then you would get somebody who's like, well, I found a flying lizard that was yeah. as big as an elephant. And then they all wrote yeah. a monster manual. Yeah, exactly. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> but you're right. The, like a large aspect of what makes dragons so terrifying is just birds, is the regular bird it's style. Flight. It's flight. Yeah. yeah, it's like all we're so jealous of them. Um, it also doesn't help that. We, we found this out later, but it makes total sense that birds are descended from lizards, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, it's really just more lizard. In fact, right? birds just are dinosaurs. <laughs> They're just dinosaurs. Yeah, because the amount of time between when Tyrannosaurus was alive and when, like, Stegosaurus was alive yeah. is longer than the time between now and when Tyrannosaurus was alive. So by any reasonable... De- and there were dinosaurs way before that even, right? So by any reasonable definition, the birds that you see around now just are the dinosaurs that didn't die. Exactly. Yeah. Many, many... Most people on Earth eat dinosaurs occasionally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, all, all of us, like, see, I think you're thinking about these things, like, subconsciously when you're looking at this guy. Yeah. I, I talked about how... I resent him because he can fly. <laughs> exactly. That's he's like, got, yeah. He's got, like, if it were the original Fiend Folio image... You'd be like, oh, well, like he can, that's fine, but I've got arms that can actually do things mm-hmm. instead of having to keep them attached to these big ass wings. But this guy can do it all. And his intelligence, even though he doesn't get a plus one modifier, is 11, which is slightly better than your average person. Mm-hmm. So they're just smarter than you. They're better than you. They're probably better. Look, yeah, charisma 11. They're better yeah. looking, more dexterous. Everything's just a little bit better. I think what makes, what kind of cuts the, the pain a little is that they're from a different plane of existence. So they're not on the material plane competing with you for resources. You're mm-hmm. not butting up against their cultures all the time. You're not uh, trying to fight them on a daily basis like you are with orcs or goblins, hoglins, whatever else is out there. They're from a different planet, more or less, different mm-hmm. plane of existence. So it's not so bad. You don't have to worry about it too much. And you kind of only have to worry about them if you go and like mess with their stuff. Because they're not really interested in empire building or like raiding or conquest or like taking anything that that isn't yeah like they, so obnoxious taking an excess like <laughs> you, you're not gonna like left unchecked the Aracocker aren't gonna like dominate <laughs> you know anything they're they they just they have they have some uh some people what are they called the people they the 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 wind dukes of a- the wind dukes Aka Aka is that Aka what? Yeah. Aka the wind dukes of Aka they are really only interested in protecting the wind dukes of Aka from stuff the elemental plane of Earth so stuff that they because I guess e- good for them is wind like and evil for them is not wind like <laughs> right yes. like they would they would sort of like have a, a a weird it's sort of like um I'm I'm going off on a tangent of a tangent but it's it's sort of like there's this thing it's a trope 
on TV tropes, um, like blue and orange morality. So that you have like black and white morality, right, you know, like okay. shades of gray morality. And then you have something that looks at what it should do and what it shouldn't do on a completely different a, a standard of metrics and anything that makes sense to humans. And there'd be blue and orange morality, right? Yeah. So something uh, could be um, just as equally, like obviously good to an Arakakra that could be like either like pretty good to us or like really bad to us. And then the opposite would be true also because what they're interested in is protecting stuff that's like air <laughs> from stuff that's not like air. I think you you are completely right. I think that is probably the best way to handle creatures from... Um, other planes because you have the fiends and the celestials and stuff but really the you're missing out on a lot of like wackiness if you can do what you're suggesting and come up with um blue and orange morality systems for things like the aracocra who could just be a kind of like forgive the pun uh like a do-gooding windbag but if you make it interesting where like um you like mess with their air and that is the same as like theft or murder or something but they don't actually necessarily care about taking their things because mm-hmm. maybe if you take if you steal something from an aircocker they just assume that you needed it more than they did or something yeah um but if you like breathe too much you're being greedy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have to like pay for it somehow yeah like i don't know i would i would i would uh, you 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 would immediately raise the ire of them if you like cast a a, a spell that makes poison gas mm. oh right? yeah yeah because that's I, not going anywhere yeah that's just gonna float around <laughs> that's not like what like like a like a cloud kill that's heavier than there so it yeah. just sinks but that's just this downward flowing wave of like death yeah <laughs> fog oh yeah that would just oh, go on forever just... in the world they would be so upset with I you i wonder if in the plane of air I know there's probably like no real set boundary to their universe, but if like the lower you got, the denser the air got. I, I imagine the planet of air functioning kind of like what a gas giant planet would right. be like, and so like on Jupiter, for instance, what I mentioned, <laughs> mentioned before, it's it's there's no surface of Jupiter, but there is a smooth transition that takes place over like many hundreds or thousands of kilometers between gas and liquid. So eventually, it just gets so stormy and dense. That you you would you would be swimming through the air rather That's than cool. yeah, and so I would imagine there being like dark, far more inhospitable parts of the elemental plane of air, and uh, than than others there would be some variance in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like there there's like horrible caves and pits of darkness and in, in like the prime material world yeah. or like evil places you don't go, there'd be some some nasty dangerous places that would just be stormier and denser. The farther down you go, yeah, because everything would sink, yeah, right? everything yeah. would fall down, and all of that stuff falling. I guess it, does it fall forever? It would sort of have to fall forever. Yeah, I, I, like the planes yeah. are as large as our universe. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, how it works. Yeah, what you're saying kind of leads into what I have here about the the second thing you can parse Arakakra into, which is beings from the plane of air. The Greeks had a lot of opinions about air and uh, the elements they came up with. They thought um, the air was warm and wet mm-hmm. because of condensation, which is like kind of... Is there um, a Mediterranean very culture, well, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and very well maybe put into action by what you're saying. You can actually have a plane of air where it gets like denser. I imagine it being like really muggy and humid at the bottom, yeah, right? Totally. Um, there was a... 
Greek philosopher named Diogenes of Apollonia. He had, there were a lot of uh, philosophers that had opinions about uh, the elements and air, but I think his is the one that has uh, stuck in general in, our, in the, the collective minds of people. Um, he had a, a work called On Nature. He believed air to be the source of all being and all other substances to be derived from it by condensation and rarefication. Um, he modified um, some other people's theories and asserted that air, the primal force, was itself intelligent. And this is a quote uh, from On Nature. And it seems to me that which possessed thought is what people call air, and that by this everyone both is governed and has power over everything. For it is this which seems to me to be God, and to have reached everything, and to arrange everything, and to be in everything, and there is not a single thing which does not share in it. Uh, the nature of the universe is air, limitless and eternal, from which, as it condenses and rarefies and changes its properties, the other forms come into being. So everything starts as air, and everything comes out of air. Um, among his other doctrines, he is said to have believed that there was an infinite number of worlds, an infinite void, that air, densified and rarefied, produced the different worlds, that nothing was produced from nothing or was reduced to nothing, that the earth was round, supported in the middle, and had received its shape from the whirling round of the warm vapors and its concentration and hardening from cold. The ridiculous part is like how pretty much right he found that was. That's pretty good. Because they, like in, in the, the this infinite void, uh, you know, the universe, and then at the Big Bang, when the universe began, everything was just hydrogen and helium, which is a gas, which is air, and that condenses yeah. into stars, and that condenses into planets, and then everything else is really in like when a star collects all that helium and hydrogen together it squeezes it and then fuses it together and that's how you get the other element he's basically right he's basically but right. he didn't he's kind of got the gist of it but he just kind of the the amazing thing about like ancient greek philosophy like that is they just kind of stumbled onto this stuff yeah and there's enough yeah. like it was, you couldn't throw a stone without hitting a greek philosopher in greece said something yeah, yeah totally so eventually uh, a thousand greek philosophers and a thousand greek typewriters are going to mm. be right about something yeah. but he was more or less right about that so this kind of this kind of idea is in the background of the air chakra um air is intelligence it's the very stuff of thought they come from an alien plane of existence associated with raw intellect and a rational creation so they're still aliens but and they're from a plane of existence related to ideas and thought as the very space you move through mm. and that's not in the, the D&D book mm. but mm. these are like the kind of uh, Western cultural ideas about air that would have been some of the material the makers of the original game would have used. Mm -hmm. um, there's a reason that Star Trek's Vulcans have those goddamn eyebrows to make them look like uh, like predatory birds. Like they've got the same like frowny right. face yeah. as this guy. Totally. Um, they look like predatory birds. They have the same cunning intellect and they have a lack of emotion. These guys, I think it says they kind of lack emotion in here. They definitely have a moral compass that might exist outside of reason. That is the protection of uh, air <laughs> at all costs. Yeah. Um, but they're still kind of um, high-minded. They don't care about possessions the same way we do. They only care about practicality. That's a very Vulcan thing if you follow Star Trek. Uh, so they're kind of related. Even though Vulcans are named after the uh, Roman god of fire and the forge, they probably like they may as well come from the elemental plane of air. Um, they're also very warlike. The Vulcans aren't necessarily, but the Romulans are. They're like yeah. cousin race. Yeah. Um, 
they're kind of the personification of like being rational and lacking emotion being used to be merciless and to conquer yeah to uh, assert yourself as superior because you uh, get rid of emotions that is something you could have in the arakakra because they are a warlike race they're very militant they don't see they're not expansionistic um, or aggressive necessarily but they are uh, pretty warlike and this is something you see in um, a lot of Eastern philosophies, especially uh, Buddhism, also in Hinduism and in uh, Jain mythology, although I don't know much about uh, Jain uh, mythology. I know that they appear. There is a creature called the Garuda, which has uh, links to Vishnu. Garuda is kind of like Vishnu's uh, gopher. They're like the whatever Vishnu wants, Garuda goes and does it. And Garuda is like a, basically a bird person. Fights injustice, destroys evil in various avatars. Um, he preserves uh, Dharma. He's like a warrior of Hinduism uh, for the greater good. He is divine power of the state as well because he. So Vishnu is like the state. Right. Is the 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 shot collar of yeah. the whole place? Okay. Garuda is the one that goes out and forces it. Right. Um, Garuda. Uh, there's a couple of different spellings and pronunciations. I'm sure I'm, I'm getting it all wrong, but uh, a lot of um, militaries in Southeast Asia and uh, in Central Asia have a Garuda on some sort of emblem whether it's for their army or even in some of their flags and their pageantry like the garuda is pretty prominent even today mm-hmm. um uh, it's, a, it's it's i think very related to how the arakakra works because it's like using divine right as an excuse to be uh militant mm-hmm. and to have like an aggressive side to your your cosmology it's like if you uh, invoke the Garuda, you must be righteous and you're allowed to use the force you're using. And that's what the Arakakra is about, sort of. They have like a righteous cause and they're going to bring their, their military prowess to it. Um, and they're from an elemental plane of air, which you could sort of take to mean the like myth space, the divine world that the Garuda and Vishnu and all of these mm-hmm. uh, deities come from outside of the material plane. Likewise, the Arakakra come from the plane of air, the mm-hmm. place of thought and creation itself. Yeah. Like, there's some really weird stories <laughs> uh, about, like, specific instances of, of Garuda doing things. Uh, there, was, there, there are enemies of the Naga, which are intelligent serpents or dragon-like beings, which are also in D&D. Mm-hmm. They come later. But it's, it's interesting that they have, like, an arch nemesis, just like the Arakakra have an arch nemesis. And the gargoyle is apparently an earth-based thing, because it's made out of rock, I guess. Yeah. But in Buddhism, it's the Naga, who's a serpent, which mm-hmm. is also a ground-based thing. So, like, this idea of, like, air versus ground runs through uh, everything, more or less. That's why, like, the, the winged serpent, I forget the name of it, uh, I should really know it, but the, the, the like, symbol... Quetzalcoatl? The, the, that, no, that's, that's the one that eats okay. its own tail. Yeah, it's yeah. the one that's, like, a winged serpent, but it's, like, a, a medicine Oh, oh yeah, symbol. right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's supposed to uh, reflect harmony in the world, because okay. it's, like, if we were all to be complete creatures, we would all be, like, winged serpents and be, like, uh, we have, like we'd all be kind of combined and that's like like for some reason always what we think about when we combine the best elements of everything it's always just like a winged uh, lizard (laughs) 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 
the best of like every world. Whether we're coming up with like the worst whether, monster, yeah, or, whether or, like, we're the scared best of it, or we think it's the best, it's like the same yeah. thing, kind of. Um, <laughs> they're always at odds. That's uh, the air and the ground are always at odds. There's a great story about oh yeah, in the I think this in uh, uh, early Chinese Buddhism, Garuda sits at the head of the Buddha's throne, but when a celestial bat, an embodiment of the Aquarius constellation. Flatulates during the Buddha's expounding of the Lotus Sutra. Garuda kills her and is exiled from paradise. <laughs> so that goes actually goes really well with what we're talking about, how they would have a blue orange morality. Yeah. Right? Totally. Like, like flatulence is a is a crime punishable by death in this case. There's a lot more like that's Well yeah, I, it's the elemental plane of air. <laughs> How dare you, you divine bat? What is yeah, celestial so bat? In, in, interpreting yeah, okay. the problem like uh, yeah. this should be a disclaimer with a lot yeah. of stuff that we're, we're gonna talk about uh but or we're gonna talk about it because you have to, but when we're talking about other cultures and mythologies, it's hard not to nitpick uh, or sorry, cherry pick things out of it and use it as examples. And we're like we're not going to get the full picture of what the culture it comes from, and we're not going to get the story completely right and what it means to them uh, in its original telling and its original time and place. But we're going to do our best <laughs> and uh, also have fun with it as it relates to uh, what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, the story of the uh, uh, bat, celestial bat who farted and died. Yeah, they're, they're divine justice. Um, Mississippian culture that the people around uh, 1000 CE to around 1550 CE had a bird person image um, often thought to be associated with war and strength Um, the Tengu of Japanese culture were originally heavenly dogs that were uh, demons of some sort Um, they had all kinds of uh, depictions and they eventually uh, turned less dog-like and more bird-like for mm. some reason, they became these weird bird demons that were sort of defenders of the mountains. And, oh, okay. Uh, they were kind of related to Garuda in yeah. terms of like how ideas spread and, and, and uh, mutate. Um, and they eventually uh, became depicted as fully humanoid, but their beaks kept uh, the same rough shape, but they just turned them into like really long noses. Oh, okay. Which you can see in a lot of um, Japanese uh, uh, like Shinto masks. Um, and in images, right. these creatures with really long noses, those are Tengu, and they were um, at one point bird people. Wow. Of the mountains. I've seen that, so I did, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the third way you can interpret, you can kind of take apart an Arakakra, is just straight up bird man, which we have lots of in, uh, which is kind of is like a newer tradition, I guess, um, from like the pulp. Where it's just like, what do we, we gotta stick to it. We gotta come up with like, mix it with a person. What can we mix (laughs) with a person? What hasn't been done? Exactly. How can we Star Trek if I, or I guess even before that, like how can we make people that can still speak, but make them strange and alien, but not have to work at it too hard? Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. slap animal traits on them. Um, And that's another way you can see the Arakakra is just a straight up goofy person more or less same as you, but they uh, fly and lay eggs and probably vomit down their baby's mm-hmm. throats. Mm-hmm. And you can play it that way. There are a few examples of this in like more modern history. There's Hawkman from DC Comics. I tried to uh, look him up a little bit and uh, have some maybe some more things prepared to say about Hawkman <laughs> because he's one of the most uh, recognizable characters, I guess. Yeah. But he's a mess. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know much about DC Comics. 
but the the like few paragraphs I read about him just made me want to close the tab and walk away because there are like five different versions of him, and one of them he's like uh, like an Egyptian god brought brought back to life. He gets his his he can fly because his his weird suit, which isn't much of his suit, it's more of a pair of pants with like a belt yeah. around his chest, uh, <laughs> is made from a certain kind of metal that has like levitation properties, and that's how he flies. You know, he's Hawkman and should have like wings. I'm sure I'm getting yeah. this all wrong. But this is what it was. This is what I read. This yeah. is <laughs> you can't blame me. This is what the comics people made. <laughs> um, uh, but but he's pulpy as hell. Like all the adventures, uh, things, the stories he get up to. It's so pulpy, and it's just a guy with bird wings. Mm-hmm. I'll right? stop you, evildoer, and I'll make bird puns while I'm doing exactly. it. Exactly, that, that yeah, kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure. Like I, I think I've only, I think I've seen him depicted in like animated shows a little bit, and he is like that. He's like a stoic, yeah, kind of inscrutable, but uh, has a sense of right and wrong that you can you can understand, and he's like bold and 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 straightforward. Um, very much like the Aarakocra as presented here. There's also uh, something related to Angel from the Marvel comics, the right. original X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Um, he has the angel wings, obviously, with like, the feathers. Yeah. Um, he's had different wings throughout his history, but that's kind of like the iconic look, the feathered wings. And he's not from a different plane, and he's not inscrutable. Mm-hmm. But what he is is rich. Yeah. <laughs> he is uh, a man of means beyond even really like Xavier, like the yeah. school. Uh, a lot of the stories kind of revolve around how much money he has and how he uh, has to deal with being a person of means while also being uh, uh, in a visible minority. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it does, so it kind of puts him on another level, just like the Aarakocra is yeah. on another level. He's creatures yeah. from the air. Uh, I also think about um, the Hawkmen from Flash Gordon. Totally. You, re- you know those yeah. guys? Um, yeah. I don't know much about them exactly, but I do remember them just being like warlike. And the the phrase, uh, do you want to live forever, I think was the first time I heard it anyways, was in one of the original Flash Gordon films. You know where, that's where actually it, from? What's it from? When it, that that was um, there, apparently there was a Marine captain in World War II. Mm-hmm. who uh his his battle cry to his fellow marines was like come on do you want to live uh, forever i'm so happy that was a that was yeah. a real world thing. it's a real world thing That's and then great. there's been scholarly debate since then because like who are there there's just like a bunch of I, I this is what i read so i could be getting some of the details wrong mm-hmm. here but there are accounts of some of the marines who were with them it's like i remembered someone yelling that but i don't know so nobody's like oh, this anonymous yeah, yeah. marine yelled this thing and the um the debate is like was this was he saying, like, hey, what do you want to keep living? Let's go die. <laughs> or or was it, like, do you want to be immortalized in glorious combat? Let's go like, that's, there's still People are still talking about, like, what, what that really means. And so I think that's that's been referenced in pop culture. Oh, that's great. Then. That's yeah. great. You should, if you use Aarakocra, you, could, you should come up with, like, 20 versions of that. And have, <laughs> every time you make an attack against a player or attack against anything, have them scream one of these versions of you know, the forever. <laughs> do, you, do you want the forever? Need all that in your pockets? <laughs> um, uh, I also wanted to, to talk about Harvey Birdman. You, oh yeah, you watch Harvey Birdman? Uh, yeah, well, like Attorney at Law, of course. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. The reason I really loved Harvey Birdman uh, for a bunch of reasons, but I think one of the reasons it just works comedically 
is because uh, the Birdman, and he's kind of the same broad-chested classic hero that like Hawkman is. Mm-hmm. But Birdman, uh, I think actually Birdman was like a lot of those characters were actually from some other like lower rent property. They, yeah, holder, I think they were right? like Hanna Barbera like yeah. animation cells that got repurposed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think what is funny about that is that Harvey Birdman is this kind of, uh, like noble bird warrior person, but he's forced to wear a suit and live among earth dwelling people. And not only that, but he has to be a lawyer, someone who has to like mince words to get by. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he should be a noble, uh, uh, spirit bird, like guarding the gates of Eternia, but instead yeah. he is like fumbling for words uh, to lie to like save his job in front of his like crazy boss. Um, and I think that's partly why, like, without even knowing any jokes, just the image of this Birdman as a lawyer is like a funny thing. It's great, yeah. I think it's also there, there's something uh, uh, kind of kind of hilarious and, and and sad and relatable about the concept of this like transcendent Birdman just gotta do regular people things. I I think a lot of the time I was like, man, I I could I I don't belong here. I don't I gotta yeah. be, I could be somewhere else. I could be doing other things, right? Um, and so, like, were you to take an Arakakra out of the, uh, the 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 elemental plane of air, yeah, where all of their 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 glory is, and like you come on an adventure with us in the regular world, you know, it'd be, just be Harvey Birdman hanging out with yeah, you, doing stupid it, land I, things. I think it'd be great to have them as um, slaves of whatever enemy you're facing, mm. but have them be like hilariously vocal about their their like the tragedy of their like noble. Yeah, uh, spirit needing release, but like not ever shutting up about it. Yeah, because they're birds. Yeah, they'd be constantly trying to communicate with each other uh, mm-hmm. through speaking. They they <laughs> wouldn't be used to having to deal with what's on the floor. So yeah. like wherever they were kept, it'd just be a, like a mess. Like imagine this. Yeah. Imagine this guy. Right. Yeah. He's a medium humanoid, so he weighs at least as much as like your average person, probably mm-hmm. a lot more because of the mm-hmm. wings and the, the muscles. Yeah. But imagine him being like. You must carry me, traveler. <laughs> <laughs> Faster. I hunger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you could, I, they can't not speak in a commanding voice like that. No, no, they have to. Well, it also depends because you could do <coughs> um, like, they're very much hawk eagle people here. Kind of like, actually, almost completely bald eagle because you can see the kind of crown on his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could have all kinds of different bird people and just uh, change the stats a little bit or come up with like one or two extra little bits that they can do. Mm-hmm. You'd have like a chicken person, you have a parrot yeah. person, you have a penguin, you could have all kinds of crazy. You got to deal with someone shady. They're a vulture person. Yeah. yeah. You could, you should have all kinds. You could have all kinds of different Aarakocra. Yeah. Like there are different bird people in this book though that have nothing to do with Aarakocra. Right. Right. <laughs> Which we'll get to, I guess. Which we'll, we yeah. definitely will. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So, like, I, that, that was pretty much everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, a sidebar. While I was looking up um, things to talk about for this, I discovered that there is something called the Donald Duck Universe, which is a fictional shared universe um, setting all of the stories of all of the duck characters only. Okay. And it's kind of like an elaborate, um, like, fan canon universe. Right. So you get like Duck Dodgers. Right. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. No, you get like Scrooge McDuck. You get Duck Dodgers. Every Duck character, okay. even the ones not listed here, every Duck character, like, 
it's it's like it's <laughs> and not, not only uh is it in this universe but it's centered around uh, a city called duckburg <laughs> and for some reason that's usually located in the fictional u.s state of cali soda <laughs> analogous to northern california and this is like a, like a fan fiction thing mm-hmm. that a lot of people work on together. That, so the, that's amazing. So you can they, you can have like the elemental plane of ducks or like the the uh, like you could, I imagine, like I would love to have an elemental plane of air that also had like duckburg mm-hmm. in it, just like all these like duck versions of like normal life or bird versions of normal. Yeah, life. there was um. Uh, there was an animated uh, movie involving Huey, Dewey, and Louie and Scrooge McDuck that I, I remember having on VHS, and it was it was a full length movie about like the the Scrooge McDuck and the three three young ones, I guess. And at some <laughs> point, I I don't know how. I think they went on like an excavate, like they went to Egypt to like raid a tomb or something. Because uh-huh. when you're a billionaire like Scrooge oh, McDuck, you can I do that. I've actually seen it. And they at some point in the climax of the movie, they wind up like summoning evil and creating these like evil hell spires of like just stuff that looks straight out of the final couple of levels of Diablo one. Yeah. Just rising from the, the ground. And I, I, I don't, I, I want to figure out the, so the mythology of that, because if that's true, then the shared duck universe, there's some really dark stuff. There's some going dungeon on stuff going on there behind the scenes. You know, there's, <laughs> there, there, there are Lovecraftian like demon powers that have been evoked. Like, like invoked. Too. yeah, <laughs> there's all kinds of things you can do with it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have a few listed ways to approach the Aarakocra. Mm-hmm. First of all, you could just do it the way it's kind of set up in the, in the book. Mm-hmm. There's even like some uh, adventure seeds here. It's something to do with the seven shards. I yeah. don't remember this very well. Do you, did you? I tried to look up. So they have these different shards that can make up different rods. And then you can put the rods together to oh. make a rod of seven parts. <laughs> Okay. Um, which can do all this stuff. But the thing is, the, even though they mention it in this book, yeah. there's no, like, you don't, it's, it's from earlier editions. There's no, <laughs> there's no rod of law or whatever. Yeah. The rod there's of no law. Rod of law and the, there's no rod of seven parts. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. Guide? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's a, you feel free to create that one yourself, I guess. But, um, <laughs> that's, so, so they, they, yeah. do they have them already. These, these special items that you have to make up. I'm sure there's like rules for them you can find it. Yeah, I'm sure you can figure something out there. I don't know. I wasn't able to find anything. Because that would be a reason to, to like come up against them. You need the rod of law, right? Yeah, you just yeah. need these things and they happen to have them. But that seems, that's kind of like weak. <coughs> like, uh, you don't need to tell me that a monster could have something that the players want. Yeah. Like, that's kind of like, yeah. I know, like they could, that's the whole, that's the whole game. That's why we're all here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more interesting if the players have something that the monsters want. In some cases. Right? Yeah, especially these guys. Yeah, If they totally. were just, like, following you around for a long time. Well, the way I would... I don't know how you'd wind up in the elemental plane of air, but um, it, uh, I, w- I, would, I would have the players encounter, like, find an egg somewhere, mm-hmm. and it's an Aarakocra egg. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe they don't realize that that's what they have, and they just need to give it to the Aarakocra to, like get them to chill because they can't speak English. They speak their own weird languages Yeah, or it, like it would hatch and you have this weird bird person baby. Um, 
And you're like, what is this? And you take it to the town wizard after going on your unrelated to the main quest quest. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you got to take this guy back. We're, we're, oh, that'd be amazing. That'd we're be in hilarious. for some bad yeah. luck if we keep him here. We don't want those guys hanging around. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're gonna come get him and they're going to think we took their baby and yeah. that's going to be bad. Or they're going to complain so much. <laughs> you, you touched it. So now you have to raise it because they're not going to take care of it after you touched yeah. it. Like the myth about baby birds, yeah. which isn't true. You can put a bird back in its nest and the, the mom oh, okay. bird will generally still want to feed it it doesn't care if it smells like a human um uh but it could just be the players like not wanting to raise this infant yeah yeah that's yeah that's a good one yeah there's a lot of ways you could you could yeah i like that one i like that one a lot actually the bird the egg you have to deal with um i like having them as prisoners that you encounter in a different dungeon and then you maybe have to try and free them back to their plane Mm -hmm. but they're also very vocal about their mistreatment and you might have to like shut them up to sneak around or uh, you can just get some like Harvey Birdman comedy out of like yeah. their plight and how like majestic they want to be versus what they are currently doing mm-hmm. sweeping the floor um, it does look like in the art kind of it looks like they're holding <laughs> a broom kind of sweeping the floor yeah. um, they would give they would, they would they would look that proud about what they're doing they would too. yeah they, and they, they can't they not they would uh, they would sweep the, the ground like once every hundred years because there would be no need to normally, and they'd be really pissed off that you are walking on their floor. Yeah, because um, the floor is special. Yeah, they it's probably, not a lot of floor. Yeah, to spare. Exactly. They need punches, yeah. um, and you're messing this one up, mm-hmm. and that's what this looks like. <laughs> uh, I would I would also try a way of um, thinking about them completely differently if you want to go take the approach of, like, if they're from the elemental plane of air, how would their biology actually be different if you think about the plane of air as simply being, like, a gas giant without, like, there would the only reason there would be solid ground there is because of, uh, like, external forces creating it or placing mm. it there for their own purposes. Yeah. Whereas if they would have their way, there'd be nothing except air. So what would you have? You would have, like, instead of wings, you would probably have, like like strange like air ballasts yeah you would be more like a squid or something like a super light squid or bag mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah like hot air balloon yeah you'd be like, you'd be like yeah. yeah you'd be like a hot air balloon crayfish thing yeah and blimp, um, blimp whales yeah yeah you'd be more like that um and you would have nothing that would touch the ground and, uh, like, why would you go there? I don't know. I'm sure you've come up with reasons, but to me, mm-hmm. that's more interesting than, than the kind of way it's presented in the book. There's lots of good seeds in it to, to go mm-hmm. off of, but I, I like to think of the planes as being like actual alien territories that you would have like a David Attenborough, yeah, uh, totally. documentary go into. And you could have Eric Hockrow be like a little more, um, you could have entirely, uh, inscrutable creatures living in the plane of air, but the Eric Hocker could be like, ones you could relate to a little bit better. They could speak if you could figure out their language and maybe they have some business in the material plane. But if you saw one on the material plane, it would be like, what is this thing doing here? Yeah. It is not supposed to be here. It wants to go back and hates it here. Um, that would be a, a way to do it. It's a strange world. Yeah. I feel like you could like sort of, I, f- I feel like you, this is, this is uh, maybe just a, like a, a way of kind of rephrasing what you were just saying, but like you could, 
keeping most of the the motives and the the general stats of the Aarakocra, you could just make them not bird people and just make them more elemental plane of air people. You you could you could just make them weird like a like a, a, a gas balloon. Yeah, yeah. Sentient and you creatures. Have to yeah. Very much. You bring, yeah. Maybe give them like a way lower land speed or even mm-hmm. like no land speed. Yeah. They hooks on their tentacles instead of talons. Yeah, they could, yeah, they could, they could, they could like do the like how like we can crawl. Mm-hmm. They could crawl somehow, um, and maybe give them a different attack or like something else they could do. And you could still keep the yeah most of the stats for sure. I, I, I would imagine, I, I wasn't really thinking balloon at first when I was thinking of like, what would like an, like there's no land in this plane. Like right. if there's only air, what would the things be? I was sort of imagining more like the whole body of the creature would just be a wing, you know, like, a, cause there are solar powered planes that are, it's just a wing with a bunch right. of propellers on it and a solar panel on the top. And like, they need to land to be serviced and they're mostly just weird science experiments, but like you could just kind of have it flying forever. And they would just go up and down on drafts and yeah. stuff like that. Right? And I can't remember the name of the bird, but there are birds, ocean going birds that can stay aloft for like months at a time because yeah. they can sleep by just kind of going into like a half brain trance and they just keep flying over the ocean. Yeah. They only land to mate. There you go. That would yeah. be a good one to model them after. Maybe like you'd make their, you could even keep the general shape, but make their legs like half the size. <laughs> like, like, uh, they, they'd lose the, the, uh, the need. You have like vestigial. If you wanted to even go like suggest that maybe we have like a progenitor race. Yeah. You could have like vestigial legs that don't really work, mm-hmm. but keep like the muscly arms holding on to. Yeah. Like, uh, air brooms. They would need to have like talony enough talons for those to be like useful, but like sort of regular eagles and they don't have like, Velociraptor legs. Yeah, so, like they don't yeah. only have like buff legs. They yeah. have super sharp talons, and that's really all they need. If we were really taking some liberties, and I can I can picture the Gary Gygax like uh, notebook doodle of this right yeah. now, <laughs> but um, you could just get rid of their legs entirely, and then make they would look like eagles, except their legs are human arms <laughs> that carry yes. the spears. Yes. Right? Have have yeah. the arms coming out of the bottom of the torso? Yeah. Oh man, and that's how they can wield tools, <laughs> but they never need to land because they're always flying. Or if they do, they're right? just holding. Yeah. Change, change nothing about the stat block. Just describe them as not having legs, and said they have sharp nails at the end yeah. of their human hands, which come out of the bottom of their torso. Yeah, that is the best. I yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. Also, if you're hearing some rustling and some yelling right now, that is our other co-host Mortimer, who's been chiming in. That's my roommate's cat. So more and more will be joining us. Yeah, whether we want be. to him to or not, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you, uh, use them kind of as is? As is? Yeah. Um, I would have the, uh, they, they would, they, I, I would kind of use them. I would focus on like their narrative role, I think. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they would be a necessary plot beat for the players to have to like hit. Um, so, uh, uh, maybe there's a, there's something about, uh, air magic that they don't understand that they need to understand to like solve a thing. And so they have to go speak to the Aarakocra's leaders, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not honorable. The they need to, dukes. right? The wind dukes, right? They need to talk to the wind dukes and to talk to the wind dukes, they have to prove themselves to the Aarakocra. So I might not necessarily use them as like a straight up enemy, but like perhaps at some point you have to duel one or like maybe you have to fight alongside them against something else, or maybe you 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 encounter them sort of by mistake, and then um, 
if you if you win you're like okay you won the right to speak to our leader like we have to report to (laughs) your transgressions or if you lose they take you prisoner and then that's how you so i would i wouldn't really use them as like a regular enemy i would use them as like a faction you have a very awkward encounter with Mm -hmm. um because they're sort of good guys right yeah so awkward encounter is is, yeah and if they're they're (laughs) awkward encounter and like even just straight up in the book they're still like weird bird alien people Right, so you could you could be as weird yeah, as, you, as you want. You have to kind of treat them differently than just like uh, like a lizard person or something. Yeah. They're not from the material plane. There's like there's something important to them being from the elemental plane yeah. of air. Yeah, um, I think they also make good low level um, uh, adversaries. Yeah, instead of having to resort to like if you want a kind of humanoid adversary at low level. You're like tired of orcs. You're tired of hobgoblins. You're tired of the other uh, human type mm-hmm. creatures. They're interesting because they're not evil. They're not even expansionistic, but they have aims and purposes that are their own, and they're inscrutable. And they can't easily communicate with you. It could be like part of, especially the low level mm-hmm. game, to try and find someone that can speak Arakakra or Orin, or have the mm-hmm. wizard find the right spell that they need to like yeah. be able to talk to them. But in the meantime, there's like a like it's like. Uh, there's like a war going on, like yeah. not a big one, but like the the, the territory is waylaid, waylaid by these Arakakra who are uh, snatching people or li- killing livestock or, mm. or harassing the countryside. Uh, no one knows why. And it's not because they're evil. It's because they they see something that you don't and yeah. you have to figure out what that is. And uh, that could be that could be that way. You could still fight them. Um, but you could still deal with them being neutral good and not necessarily like aggressive. You still have a reason to fight them and make use of all of this nice uh, stat block that they've made for you. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I'm pretty exhausted. Yeah, I think that was, that's, <laughs> I don't know how much more we can talk about bird no, people. No, I think that's great. I think we talked yeah. about it uh, plenty. Um, I hope this was uh, educational or at least entertaining. And if this all works out and we feel like we've got enough in us to do more, we're going to go on the next page. Yeah. The, which is, should we say, I guess you can, anyone can just look this up. Which is the Aboleth, which are um, Lovecrafty and mind control fish. <laughs> that uh they all remember the same things that every abolith has ever remembered so they far more alien even than bird people look forward to yeah. that for the next one and uh good monster to you we'll work on all of our <laughs> intros and outros <laughs> <laughs> this is the pilot this is the pilot